So for the first, say, 10 years that our family lived in the current house that we live in, the same kind of thing would happen almost every winter. Down the street from us, there's a little cul-de-sac and there's an island in the middle of that cul-de-sac. And in the middle of that island is a tiny tree. So there was a tiny tree growing out of the middle of that island. But then what would happen is in the winter, the snow plows would come around the, the cul-de-sac and they would put all of that snow and it would make this giant mountain of snow. Our kids used to play in it on top of that tiny little tree. And then so what would happen would be in the spring, um, as the snow all melted away, we would find this tree that had been mangled and it was like broken off. And this would happen. and then the little shoot would branch out of this uh, stump and, and it would begin to grow and a couple years later the same thing would happen and the snow would be dumped on this island and all of a sudden the tree would be crushed down and it was kind of this running joke for like a decade as this tree was constantly destroyed and we thought like it's never going to grow and then what happened is all of a sudden there was a year where there just wasn't any uh, snow. There wasn't very much snow in the winter. And so the snowplows didn't have to pile it on the island. And then the next year it was the same kind of situation. And that tree eventually grew to the point where it's actually now a decent sized tree in the middle of the island at the end of the street. Now, for centuries, this same kind of thing happened with Israel's leaders. One after the next would kind of rise up and then come crashing down, rise up, come crashing down, to the point where the Israelites just really didn't have a lot of hope. And then along comes Isaiah with this vision that we heard in our first reading this morning. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, generations would go by without any sign of life on that stump. But then a tiny shoot broke through in the form of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But before we get there, let's stick with Isaiah's vision. In verse six, we read, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Now, admittedly, it's kind of hard to imagine a world where natural predators make peace with their prey. But my goodness, if something like that can happen, then maybe peace can happen in our lives too. It's the second week of Advent, and we are invited this week to reflect on the theme of peace. Not only the kind that we long for in our individual lives, but the kind that needs to be spread around. Throughout this pandemic, many, many of us have been experiencing a lack of peace. And on the surface, some of them are just for obvious reasons. I mean, if you're suddenly forced to work from home and you've got a house full of children, whether they're young kids or teenagers, well, there's not a whole lot of peace and quiet around, let's just say that. But I think that there's something more to our search for peace over these last nine months. A couple of nights ago, I was backing up a number of large files from my computer to an external drive and something went wrong. All of a sudden the drive ejected on its own and I was like, what's going on? So I kind of reinserted it. But now all I could see was my backup portion of the drive and the files portion, which had like 300 gig of stuff on it, uh, was grayed out, I couldn't access it. So I restarted my computer, tried again, nothing. I plugged it into Owen's laptop, nothing. Owen and I were both sitting at the dining room table. We're Googling all kinds of things like, how do we fix this? What's going on? And all along the narrative is building in my mind, I have just lost all of these things that I do not have stored anywhere else. Owen's cool as a cucumber. He's like, dad, the worst that's gonna happen is you pay someone 50 bucks to fix this for you. I'm like, no, the worst that's gonna happen is I've lost everything and I'm a fool for losing it. Um, so for me, the only real solution was for all of the questions to disappear and for my certainty to return that everything was going to come back. 
I went to bed that night stressed out, no peace of mind at all. You see, instability and uncertainty, they can also prevent us from experiencing peace. And they can come in all kinds of different forms. Instability and uncertainty with respect to our finances, relational instability, physical uncertainty, questions about our health and well-being, emotional instability, spiritual instability. And our instability and this uncertainty, it can have to do with stuff that's going on today, it can have to do with tomorrow or some distant time in the future, it doesn't really matter. And then along comes the words of the medieval writer Thomas Akempis. As long as you live, you will always be subject to change, even though you wish it were not so. Sometimes you will be happy, and at other times sad. Sometimes you will be filled with peace, and at other times greatly agitated. Now you will be filled with devotion. Later on, you will be without all devotion. Now industrious, later sluggish. Now solemn, later lighthearted. But those who are wise and well-instructed in the spiritual life stand high above these vicissitudes and give little heed to what they themselves feel or whence blows the fickle wind. Instead, they focus their full attention on attaining their due and desired end. What Akempis is reminding us is that the goal cannot be to remove all instability and uncertainty. We must find a way to stand above them. Peace is a fragile little creature. Keeping it is a delicate balancing act. It was kind of funny, I wrote those words uh, at my desk and then I, I glanced across my desk and noticed these little um, ceramic figurines that my parents gave me for my birthday a number of years ago. And they're these kind of like tumbling figures that you put together in various different formations using little magnets on their hands and feet and foreheads. And uh, you kind of create this shape. And it reminded me, like this is a great picture of what our piece is like. And like it's beautiful when you've got it, but it's so fragile. I mean, if I stand up too quickly from my chair and bump my desk, they all come crashing down. Some of you brought your children into my office and they love playing with it, but as soon as they like touch one of the figures, they all come crashing and they're like, oh my goodness, I broke something. Like our peace is so delicate, that's what it's like. And as if it wasn't difficult enough for us to be at peace, like a bull in a china shop, COVID knocked the shelves off of our semi-peaceful lives to the ground, shattering whatever peace that we had left. And so we're asking all kinds of questions, especially at a time of year like this, like a question like this asked by pastor and author Crystal Speed. How can Christmas come in the midst of such a confusing time while our grieving hearts are broken by sickness, death, separation, isolation, injustice, division, and more? It's such a good question, some version of which most of us have been asking, how can Christmas come with all of the stuff going on this year. The good news, believe it or not, is that this is precisely when Christmas does come. Let me read to you the passage from Luke chapter one, verse 26 to 28 that we heard earlier this morning. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Now, it's basically impossible to imagine what Mary was experiencing that day. Uh, we can try to imagine, and, and if we did try, it might be something like a scene from The Christmas Carol. Our family watched this the other night, uh, the Disney version starring Jim Carrey. It's that kind of weird animation where it kind of looks real, but mostly cartoony. Um, anyways, we were watching this, and actually two of the kids had never seen it before, and they're like, well, you know, why have we never seen this? And I said, well, probably your mother and I thought when you were kids that it was a little too scary and we didn't want you to watch it. And they're like, oh, you guys, you guys, you know. Anyways, as we're watching through the movie, every time like one of these different spirits came to visit Ebenezer Scrooge in the night, the kids would be like, oh, I wouldn't have slept if I would have seen that, or oh, I would be so terrified. Or They kept saying this through the movie. At one point I turned and I said, I have a feeling like you guys are actually scared now watching this movie. Anyways, I don't think that the angel that appeared to Mary would have been scary looking, but regardless, we have her response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But before Mary's peace was completely stolen away, she's reassured. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, let's be honest. I'm not sure just how reassuring those words would have been to a teenage girl. And Mary was clearly more than a little confused about how this would come to pass, um, to paraphrase. Um, I've never, anyways. But if we're only able to experience peace when all is calm and all is bright, when all instability and uncertainty have been removed, then what chance do we have of experiencing peace? The short answer is none. It's not gonna happen. Just as hope is something that we cling to while we continue to walk through life's most challenging times, peace is offered not instead of, but alongside our instability and our uncertainty. In the words of former President Ronald Reagan, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. Now, I found this great image online a little while ago. I'll share it with you. It's this woman, and she's just kind of like floating peacefully above the chaos that is surrounding her. Now, I don't know. Your chaos may be a house full of kids, but your, your chaos may also be your business that has been thrown upside down because of this pandemic. Or maybe your chaos is your financial situation, or maybe your chaos is a relationship. Is there a way where you can experience peace, not instead of, but alongside it in the midst of everything going on around you. I was listening to uh, an interview that Krista Tippett did recently, and she had this great line I jotted down. She said that we need to develop muscles for inhabiting these difficult times. Now, it doesn't really matter what we define, how we define our difficult times. The idea is that we need to develop, we need to build up kind of strength to help us navigate these times that threaten our peace. But we don't build up the usual kind of muscles not the kind that make us stronger and faster, but actually the kind of muscles that help us learn to slow down. We might even need to develop some physical practices that can help us relax the muscles we usually flex. So maybe by observing nature, just getting outside and paying attention to the beauty of the creation that's all around us. That can be a way of, of building up some new kinds of muscles to help us um, sustain peace in our lives. Or maybe reading fiction, maybe getting outside of the world that you're in the middle of and, and being part of a different world through literature. Uh, maybe going for a walk, just having that fresh air, getting some physical exercise, maybe baking or doing some other kind of creative work and could help bring a little bit of peace into the midst of whatever it is else that's going on in your life. 
Part of the Advent blessing that was read earlier in the service from Soul Play goes like this. May the chill of your life be swaddled in peace so that your soul can find rest in the warm breast of God. It's a beautiful image. And I think all of us, whether we'd admit it publicly or not, at some point or another, the idea, the, the image of being swaddled in peace is pretty appealing. In our devotional booklet this week, the prayer for the week, the daily prayer that we're encouraging to pray is, Lord, as I walk through this day, surround me with your peace. Now, I don't think that any of us will manage to avoid having the peace knocked out of us from time to time. But what we can do is learn to catch our breath and reestablish some healthy rhythms in our lives. Now, yes, it is important for us to find the peace that we long for in our individual lives. But in the words of Frederick Buechner, our lives are so intricately interwoven that there can be no real peace for any of us until there is real peace for all of us. Let's go back again to Isaiah's vision from Isaiah 11, this time verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will rally to him. You see, this vision of peace, the whole lion lying down with the lamb, this was not just for the people of Israel. It was for all people. It was for all nations. For me, the most breathtaking moment of the Christmas story is Mary's response to the news that she would miraculously conceive a child who would one day bring this kind of peace to the world. Listen to her words. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's so beautiful and powerful at the same time. Mary was willing to exchange any hope of peace in her life for a hope that the child born to her would one day bring peace to others. The Advent blessing continues, and may this peace be passed to your neighbor, the stranger, and to your enemy, so that they may be soothed soundly this day. When I read this, I thought about the liturgical practice of passing the peace. Some of you may have grown up in a church tradition where this happened. At Elevation, when we were meeting together, we would have a mingle time and you'd shake someone's hand or you would maybe give a hug. Um, but in some church traditions, you would pass the peace, which is to say you might shake a hand, but you would say, peace be with you. And I was reading about the origins of this tradition, and it actually comes from the idea that you're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion together, but before you do, you need to make sure that you don't have any animosity or unforgiveness between you. And so this expression of the phrase, peace be with you, is that you're making peace with your neighbors before you go and receive God's forgiveness. In other words, we shouldn't expect to make peace with God if we don't make peace with one another. Now, as I was picturing this kind of shaking hands in the church and saying, peace be with you. I was thinking it's kind of like a boring version of dapping. Now, if you don't know what dapping is, it's because you don't hang around teenage boys enough. Um, I have uh, one particular one living in my house who loves this idea of dapping. He'll come up to me and say, dad, dap me up. And I'm like, seriously? Um, anyways, but I was thinking about this and looking into like, where did this practice come from? And it's actually got a great backstory. The version of, da of dapping actually originated in the 1960s among black GIs during the Vietnam more. Um, the circumstances were far from ideal, being in a war like that to begin with, but for black soldiers they were actually often ostracized and um, taken advantage of and mistreated by other white soldiers. And so they didn't want to kind of say anything out loud to get themselves in more trouble, so they developed this kind of secret sign language where they would bump fists and slap hands and interlock their fingers and it would be this kind of interaction where they would say, as one historian put it, I'm not above you, 
You're not above me. We're side by side. We're together. And so this thing that people do on the street without really thinking of it has this beautiful origin story. And that's the kind of attitude that we need if we want to spread peace around our world, a willingness that regardless of what is going on around us and what is being done to us, we're going to stick by one another. Now, I've been reading this book lately that's been going through some of the origins or, or the, the events leading up to the start of World War I. And one of the things that the author was pointing out was to just how many people, significant thinkers, writers, academics at the time, they weren't expressing concern about this war, that they were actually, there seemed to be a sense of this needs to happen. There was not a sense of we should avoid this at all costs or any kind of idea of how bad this could be, but there was an, almost an anticipation around it. As Stefan Zweig writes, um, as never before, thousands and hundreds of thousands felt what they should have felt in peacetime, that they belonged together. And so it was perhaps because the people of Europe failed to experience togetherness in peacetime that war somehow became an appealing and even an exciting option for them. If we don't feel together now, maybe if we unite against a common enemy, then we will feel the togetherness that we long for. This is a reminder of how important it is for us to be peacemakers in our own spheres. But the other thing that we have to be reminded of is that we can't just shake the hands of people who are like us in the pews. We can't just dap the hands who are like us in the foxholes. What we need to be able to do is to extend our peace even further than that. Canon Andrew White is an Anglican bishop who served in Iraq for a number of years. He would serve to try to bring about peace in one of the most violent parts of the world, and so he was dubbed the vicar of Baghdad. He has this great quote where he says, if you want to make peace, you can't just do it with the nice people. And so there's a reminder that as we pass the peace, it's not just to the people close to us, but sometimes the people who are opposed to us or the people who are very different from us or the people who have offended us. If we're not careful, the same instability and uncertainty that threatens to undermine our individual peace will undermine our collective peace. And so we need to commit ourselves to bringing peace into the world around us. Again, from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. These are the words spoken about the one who would bring about this era of peace. And if we are willing, the same spirit of God can shape us and prepare us into the peacemaking people that God longs for us to be. So I want to add an additional prayer that we could pray daily during the second week of Advent. This one from St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. On the night of Christ's birth, angels filled the skies and sang about peace on earth. Many years later, on the night on which he was betrayed, Jesus said to his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In just a couple of minutes, uh, I'm going to wrap up this part of our service and we're going to close with a song um, called Christ Be All Around Me. On the other side of that song, you'll be dismissed and I would encourage you to stick around and join your neighbor's discussion group. If you haven't done this before, there'll be a link in the comments section right now. And if joining a call to discuss this morning's theme right after the service is challenging for you, there'll be another opportunity for you to do so at eight o'clock tonight, and you can find that link on the Stay Connected page. 
I'd encourage you, whether you join a discussion group or not, to consider some practical ways that you can lean into peace this week. I'll close with a thought, a quote from Paulo Coelho, and then I'll pray. The path of peace flows like a river, and because it resists nothing, it has won even before it has begun. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for the message of peace that we can reflect on in the second week of Advent. I pray that you would help us to lean into you so that we can experience peace in the midst of whatever is going on around us, that we would be able to develop those new muscles. I also pray that we would find out what it looks like for us to extend peace to others, those close to us, those far from us. Help us to be instruments of your peace. God, I ask that the words from Scripture would echo in our minds and our hearts throughout this day and in the week to come as we continue this Advent journey. In Christ's name, amen.